Kay Cunningham came in at 35 on ESPN's top 100 players for this upcoming season. No other Detroit Piston was on this list. We'll talk about one Piston in Sadiq Bay, who I believe has the best chance at cracking this top 100 list this season and what he would have to do to crack this list. Talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. Or if you listen to this on whatever podcast platform, you can leave us a five-star review. That's another great way to support the podcast. I would really appreciate either of those ways. Again, I'm going to continue to remind you guys, I'm not going to be here at the end of this month. I'm getting married, so I will not be here for preseason. You guys will be getting so, or beginning of preseason, I should say, but you guys will be getting some scheduled ahead episodes from me. Stay tuned for that. Um, and also, we had a really good episode last week with Michael Lancaster. He was Isaiah Livers' trainer this past offseason. He is the trainer that you guys all saw in the movie Hustle on Netflix with Am Sandler. He has trained over 100 NBA players. He was the key trainer for Victor Oladipo and his recovery after uh, his injury a few years ago. It was a really insightful episode. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was amazing. Really, again, just insightful stuff. So if you haven't checked that episode out already, I really encourage you guys to go do that. I thought it was amazing. Um, but anyways, let's get into what I want to talk about today. So last episode, we talked about Cade Cunningham with Bryce Simon, host of the Pistons Pulse podcast. We talked about Cade Cunningham being on the top 100 list from ESPN. Um, I believe ESPN just dropped their 25 to 11. Uh, we still don't know the top 10. I think we all know who's going to be in the top 10. We don't know their order. Um, but the important part is that Kay Cunningham got a lot of respect, we feel like, um, being ranked at 35. However, he is the only Detroit Piston to appear on that list. So firstly, do I disagree with that? No, I don't disagree with that. I don't think you can really make an argument at all for any other Piston to be on that top 100 list, especially when you look at some of the people that weren't on the top 100 list. Like, I, I think you're really going to struggle to find a way to get one of the Pistons make any kind of sensible argument that any of them should be on there right now. However, there is one Detroit Piston that I think could find his way onto this list at some point during this season. Maybe we look back after the season and be like, okay, was he a top 100 player? I think there is one Piston player that could do that um, this season, and that's Sadiq Bey. Um, I don't think there's any other Piston that will be able to do it. Uh, Jane Ivey's a rookie. I don't expect Jane Ivey to burst onto the scene and be a top 100 player in his rookie year. Give you an example, only I believe two rookies were on this list from this class. There was um, It was Keegan Murray and Paolo Bencaro. Those are the only two rookies that made this list. Um, and last year, I believe there was only three rookies that made the list from the last year's draft class. You only got Cade, Scotty Barnes, uh, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, and um, Josh Giddy. Those are the only ones to make it from last year's draft class. So I don't think that he's going to be able to make this top 100 list next year, along with Jalen Duran or any of the other guys. I do think Sadiq Bey has a legitimate chance. And honestly, I think that should be the expectation for Sadiq this year. Not making all-star games for some crazy expectation like that. It should be to become a top 100 player. And what will Sadiq Bey have to do to become a top 100 player? Well, I'm going to tell you guys right here. There's multiple different avenues you could go with this. 
And if you look at the bottom of the top 100 list, you'll see that these guys have holes in their games, but all of them seem to be really, really good, seem to be great in one specific thing, at least one specific thing. And that's something Sadiq has to get to. And the thing that he's supposed to be great at, he's not great at it yet, but what he's supposed to be great at is his outside shooting. And last season, he was an average to below average outside shooter, according to what league average shooting was. This past season, league average shooting was 35% from beyond the arc. Sadiq Bey shot 34% from beyond the arc. So he was a below average three-point shooter. Though he took 7.4 attempts a game, the volume does make it look a little bit better. Uh, if you take more volume threes, if you shoot a little bit of a lower percentage, you can understand it a little bit. Uh, it definitely looks better than someone shooting 34% like one attempt. Him shooting 34% on seven and a half attempts is all right. But he's not great at it, and he wasn't above league shooter. So I think that's the clearest way to him making this top 100 list this season. If Sadiq can get to, heck, if he can get closer to where he was his rookie season, if he can shoot around 38% from deep, heck, even closer to 40% from deep, on around seven and a half, eight attempts a game, I think he's he's easily top 100. I think if you're great at something like that, something as important as shooting, if you can become great at that on really good volume, you have to be in the top 100, I think, especially at his size. Um, I think he would make the top 100 list just off of that. But that's a, that's going to be a big ask for him. He, he, again, he shot 34% this past season. That would be like a 4% increase. That's a pretty big increase. So he would have to do that. I think that's the easiest route for him to make this top 100 list next season. There's also some other things he can do. Obviously, a lot of people think that he can get to an all-star level at some point in his career. Well, to get there, he, not only will the shooting have to come around, he cannot shoot under 40% from the field again. That's it, it, There's no way that he'll be able to make a top 100 list or be considered a, above average to good player shooting under 40% from the field. He shot 39% from the field this past season. There's it, That's just unacceptable. You can't do that. He's going to have to shoot over 40%. I think he can do that, even though his rookie season he shot 40%. This past season, he shot 39%. Even in the final 56 games where we think he played extremely, or I, I should say much better than he did the first 24 games, he still only shot 41% from the field. So he can't he can't continue to shoot that low from the field. Um, that has a lot to do with him being streaky and an inconsistent somewhat shooter. I think if he can become more consistent, which I think he can, if he can become more consistent, raise that field goal percentage, and become an above-league average shooter or even an elite shooter, if he can become an elite shooter in good volume, he's top 100. Another pathway is to become much better defensively. Um, the more I've looked into the film, the more I've talked with people uh, about his past season defensively, I I'm, I'm more worried defensively for him than I am honestly about his ability to develop offensively off the ball or um, with the ball in his hands, I should say, or him getting to 40% from deep or anything like that. Um, his defense was not very good this past season at all. Um, and he has the size to be a good defender. I think what they're going to have to find out for him this year is that is he better defending on the perimeter? Is he quick enough to guard people on the perimeter? Or should you use his size and his strength more to battle forwards down low? They have to find out, is he better as a four? Is he better as a three? They have to find that out and find the easiest way for him to become a better defender because this past season he just wasn't. So he has to become a better defender. But I think those those things, I think it's going to, be, it's going to take a little bit longer for him to improve. I really do think the easiest route to Sadiq instantly becoming a top 100 player is simply shooting around 38% from deep on good volume like he did his rookie season. 
Um, and if he can do that, I think he's going to be a top 100 player. I think he's the only Piston on the team this year that has a chance to be a top 100 player with Kate Cunningham after the season. When you look after the season and be like, oh, is this guy a top 100 player? Sadiq Bey is the only person I think is on there with Kate Cunningham. And he's going to have to improve his shooting. He's going to have to improve his shooting. He's going to be much more consistent. You guys, If you guys listened to the last episode, Bryce Simon brought up how there was more than 20 games where Sadiq shot or scored under 10 points a game. And that matches the eye test. A lot of games, Sadiq was just very inconsistent. He's very streaky. He's a streaky shooter. He can go off for 50 in a game, and he can score four points in a game. He can score 34 points in a game, and then the next game score 10 points in a game. Like, he's very streaky. So if he can become more consistent, shoot above 40% from the field, shoot above league average from deep on good volume, Sadiq Bey will be a top 100 player next season, and he'll be making steady progress to becoming one of the best pieces on the team, steady progress to becoming what people think he could become, an all-star a few years down the line. But it starts with him becoming more consistent, and he has to actually be great at what he's supposed to be great at. His skill is supposed to be outside shooting. He has to be actually great at it. He can't just be below league average. You have to be great at what you're supposed to be great at. And that starts at three-point shooting. So I think he can do it. I believe that Sadiq will be a top 100 player after this season, but he's going to have to do those things. We'll see. It's going to be incredibly interesting to see if he's able to develop that and become much more consistent as an offensive player. We'll see. I believe he can do it, though. I think he'll, he will be a hundred, top 100 player after this year. I believe in him. So, but let me know in the comment section, do you guys believe in Sadiq? Do you think he'll be a top 100 player at some point during this season? You'll look back and say, oh, yep, he's a top 100 player. Do you think after the season he will be considered one? Is there another piston that you guys think actually could have a chance at cracking the top 100? Let me know all that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. When we come back, Chauncey Billups, yes, former Piston, Mr. Big Shot. Chauncey Billups had some interesting comments concerning the drafting of Darko over Carmelo and what drafting Carmelo would have meant for one of the best players of all time. We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I have to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news and podcasts, including this year's college football games. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about their trends in action today. And if you head over there right now, you'll see What's the rankings for the Rookie of the Year odds? Well, Jane Ivey is third in highest odds to win, or one of you guys actually corrected me, lowest odds, that's because of how betting works, lowest odds to win Rookie of the Year. It goes Paolo, then it goes, I believe, Keegan Murray, and then Jane Ivey. Jane Ivey is third, but that's the kind of thing you can do over at BetOnline.net. You can get a head start in Rookie of the Year, MVP, Sixth Man of the Year, favorites to win the championship, favorites to uh, finish the bottom of the league, favorites to get the first overall pick, Favorites for most improved player. All those kind of things already at betonline.net. Make sure you're going to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about their trends and action today. BetOnline, where the game starts. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast, or if you listen to this on one of the podcast platforms, leave us a five-star review. That's another great way to support the podcast. I would really appreciate 
either of those. And again, I'm going to continue to tell you guys, make sure you guys check out that episode with Michael Lancaster from last week. It was a tremendous episode. I really enjoyed it. Incredibly insightful. He's the trainer for Isaiah Livers. Make sure you guys go check it out. It was a great episode. I loved it. It was probably one of the more fun episodes I've ever had recording for Lockdown Pistons. So make sure you guys go check that out. Um, but yeah, Chauncey Billows, Mr. Big Shot, has his number up in the rafters. He had some interesting comments over the past week. Um, I believe these comments, if I'm understanding this correctly and seeing this correctly, it was on the All the Smoke podcast. Um, he was basically asked about the Pistons, the 2004 Pistons the going-to-work team, if they would have gotten Carmelo Anthony, what would have been different? Would they have won multiple championships? It's how different things would have went. And I think he actually gave an interesting answer. He didn't just give the, oh, we would have won two more championships, three championships, all, all that stuff. He actually went a completely different route, which actually it caught me off guard, but it's worth talking about. He says, if we got Carmelo – when was LeBron James ever going to take over the East? And listen, that's incredibly interesting, but well, let's, let's dive into whether this actually makes sense. So sadly, I do not think that this statement by Chauncey actually makes any sense. Now, let's just start with if the Pistons would have drafted Carmelo, I think that changes a lot of things. I think it changes how people look at Carmelo. I think it changes how Carmelo would have developed and how he would have ended up playing. I think he would have developed a more team-oriented basketball. Heck, maybe he would have become a better defender. Um, I, I definitely think the Pistons would have won more than just one championship. I understand people have concerns about, oh, would you have been able to get this guy or would have Tayshaun have played more? Listen, Camelo is a Hall of Famer. Camelo is one of the best scorers of all time. I understand the concern. Those guys definitely brought in. I think they would have got Tayshaun anyways. I think Tayshaun would have been on the team either way. I think the real question is Rasheed. Um, but maybe they could have got Rasheed anyways, but – the simple fact is adding Carmelo Anthony, he was such an insanely great player in his prime. I think people kind of forget how good prime Melo was. And they kind of, he kind of gets a lot of disrespect. It's the same thing for Dwight Howard. These guys who last a long time, you like forget what they were in their prime. Prime Melo was a, a monster. He was really damn good in Denver. And even the first few years in New York, he was crazy good. So if you add him to that team with Chauncey, Rip, Tayshon, Ben, along with the bench that they had, the overall philosophy that they played with, the team basketball that they played with, the kind of development that he would have went through with those guys as his mentors, with Larry Brown coaching him. I think so many things would have changed. I think the Pistons win maybe even three championships with Melo. And the Pistons franchise is completely different because does Melo ever leave if they're winning like that? Do the Pistons go through this tough spell that they went through after trading Chauncey? Does that ever happen? Do the Pistons you know, ever go through a point of struggling. It's at the point where they end up wanting to go into a rebuild, they're able to get Melo off the books and trade him for assets. Like, what – so many things I feel like changes for the Pistons and the guys on the team and Carmelo's career. I, I, I It's one of the biggest what-ifs, I think, obviously. Obviously, they could have went Melo, Dwayne Wade, uh, Chris Bosh. Like, all those guys I think would have really helped, and they would have won more than one championship if you got one of those guys. Those are Hall of Famers, especially – Mello and Dwayne Wade. If you get one of those guys, I think it would have changed many, 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 many things. But let's get back to the to the core of what Chauncey actually said. He didn't just say the what if, like we said. He said that if they would have got Mello, was LeBron ever going to take over the East? And I, I, I have a problem with this. Not a problem with this statement. I just think this statement doesn't make much sense. I, I get what he's trying to say here. I, I get what he's trying to go for. Um, but I, I just don't think it makes any sense factually. 
for example, so Chauncey Billups retired in 2014. He stopped being like a, a pretty good player. Uh, what, what 2010? You would say 2000, 2010. He was still 2010-11. He was still a really good player, but he had that nasty injury that he that he suffered. Uh, and then after that, it was just done for with him. Um, but I guess you would say I don't even know if you would say 2010-2011 was really his. He was still in his prime. I, I guess you would say 2009-2010 was his last year. He, that was the last time he made an All-Star team. Um, but either way, around that time frame was where Chauncey stopped being Chauncey Billups. He went on to play till 2013-2014, obviously, but that doesn't really matter. At that point, he was basically just a vet and shouldn't really have been on the court anymore. Richard Hamilton, another core piece of the Pistons team, he retired in 2013. He stopped being RIP in probably like 2010. Tayshawn lasted a little bit longer than all of them. Rashid retired in 2013. Ben Wallace retired in 2012. LeBron didn't win his first championship until what? 2012. He didn't start running the East until 2012, 2013, around then. Like, he wasn't running the East before then. Before then, Dwight Howard was getting to the NBA Finals. The Boston Celtics were getting to the the NBA Finals, going back-to-back against the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, LeBron wasn't running the East. When even if Melo would have stayed, got drafted by the Pistons at that time, LeBron wasn't like advancing to Eastern Conference Finals every single year. He wasn't going to the NBA Finals every single year. He wasn't prime LeBron James anymore, every or yet every single year. So I don't really get how this makes sense. How the Pistons would have stopped LeBron from taking over the East because by the time he started taking over these, all the Pistons core guys were already out the NBA. Rip was gone. Rashid was gone. Ben was gone. Chauncey was at the end of his career. Tayshawn lasted a little bit longer, but he was dead. He, it, 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 so I, I don't really buy that statement. I don't think it makes any sense really at all. Um, do they? Does LeBron ever knock off the Pistons? I guess is what he maybe was going for because LeBron did end up knocking off the Pistons. Does that ever happen? Probably not. If they still have Melo with Chauncey, Rip, um, Rashid. I know Ben ended up leaving for, for Chicago, but Rashid... And Tayshon, along with Melo, and whoever they replace him with, Chris Weber, if they found someone else to replace him, whatever. Do they lose LeBron? Probably not. Probably not. They were up 2-0, I believe, on LeBron that year. They came back and won four straight games on him. Um, so they probably don't ever lose LeBron until they eventually just retire and right off into the sunset. Maybe the Celtics knock him off because the Celtics' victory is pretty damn good, um, especially in KG's prime years. But yeah, the, the idea that they would have stopped LeBron from running the East is just not true. It's it's it doesn't line up timeline wise. It just doesn't make much sense because LeBron didn't end up making his, the winning his first championship in two, 2012, and only one of the guys was still around at that point. That was Chauncey. So doesn't make much sense. I get what he was trying to go for. Definitely think if they would have got Melo, they would have won more championships, and it would have changed so many things. A crazy what if. But yeah, LeBron wouldn't have been affected. LeBron would have been LeBron either way. He still would have ended up with the amount of championships he had. The Pistons would have stopped that. Um, yeah, I, I don't really get why Chauncey said that one. Maybe there's more context to it. Maybe there's more context to this quote. Um, but, yeah, if just looking at the quote, doesn't make much sense, Chauncey. Doesn't make much sense. But I feel you. I feel you. If you got mellow, I feel, I, I feel you. Things would have been different. But either way, let me know what you guys think about that and that quote that Chauncey had in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kook Hill. When we come back, there was a former Piston that eventually found his footing somewhere. I know a lot of you guys were real big fans of his. He was a fan favorite while he was with the Pistons. It 
he was on free agency for a pretty long time, but he has found his footing. He has signed somewhere. We'll talk about him and where he signed. But first, you guys got to hear from some of our lovely sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. Or if you're listening to this on one of the podcast platforms, leave us a five-star review on whatever platform that is. That is another great way to support the podcast. I would really appreciate either or great ways to support the podcast. So this offseason, the Pistons had to choose between basically Hamadou Diallo or Frank Jackson. At the beginning of the offseason, I thought they were going to decline both of them. They eventually ended up bringing back Diallo, but they declined Frank Jackson's Frank Jackson's offer or his um, player, player option. Why did I say offer? Player option. Um, and he became a free agent. And he has been a free agent for quite a while. But he has now found his footing. He signed a non-guaranteed contract with the Phoenix Suns. Good for Frank Jackson, man. Um, I think this is a really good place for him to go to. He fits there nicely if he's able to get onto the uh, the roster. I don't think he's guaranteed to be on the roster, obviously. He's going to have to win uh, some training camp battles. Um, but I'm rooting for Frank. I think it's a good place for him to land. Uh, if he can get to where he was his first season in Detroit, he's, he's a key piece off the bench, I feel like, for a team. If he can get there. The problem is with Frank, and we've talked about this on the podcast, when – he was on the Detroit Pistons, is that Frank, that season looks like it's more of the outlier than than the truth. His first two seasons in the NBA, he shot 31% from deep, 32% from deep. Then that first year in Detroit, he just exploded onto the scene, averaged 46, or not average, 46, <laughs> shot, shot 46% from the field, shot 40% from deep, and was scoring 10 points a game. That year right there made many people believe, including myself, that the Pistons had found themselves a really good diamond in the rough, not a starter, not a future star or anything like that, but a key piece off the bench that can fill that instant score option, provide instant spacing, and, and be a really good offensive player off the bench for a specific team. Fast forward to the next season, he went right back to where he was the previous two years. He shot 40% from the field, which is right around where he shot the first two years, and he shot 30% from deep, his worst so far in his career. He averaged 10.6 points a game, but he didn't do it efficiently at all. Not what you expected him to shoot from the field at all. Very inconsistent. I know he dealt with some injuries at the beginning of the year that kind of slowed him down a little bit. But overall, that season, it was just a really disappointing season from Frank Jackson. I think the the I feel like the the Pistons front office, the coaching staff had much higher expectations for Frank. I feel like Frank had a lot higher expectations for himself that he did not meet during this past season with the Pistons. I think he's really eager, obviously, to prove that that season in Detroit, the first year in Detroit, is more of who he is than these other three seasons. The unfortunate thing is, is that he can believe that and he can strive for it and we can root for him, but the Pistons have to be smart with it. And I think the smart thing is to obviously look at the larger sample size at three seasons. You haven't reached over 33% from deep. That one season was great, but you haven't shown that you're capable of replicating that. So they had to move on. Now he moves on to Phoenix. Hopefully he is able to earn a roster spot. And if so, and if he can get back to that season that he had in Detroit his first year, I think he would be a great addition to Phoenix. I think they will really love him. He's going to provide a lot of scoring, a lot of spacing, a lot of shooting, a lot of instant sparks. 
off the bench for that team in Phoenix. Yeah, I think they need. So I'm rooting for Frank. I really think that he has a player in him. There is a player, an NBA player in Frank Jackson. He just has to put it together. He has to become more consistent, and he has to shoot well from deep. It goes back. It's kind of like the same thing with Sadiq Bey. You're known as a shooter. You have to be a great shooter. Your best skill set can't be as a shooter and you not be a great shooter. Like your best skill set, you have to be great at. And Frank just hasn't been consistently great at his best skill. Hopefully he can do it down in Phoenix, man. We're moving for him. I'm rooting for Frank, man. He's a really, really good dude. Really good dude. Nice person. Great teammate. All the dudes love him. So all the, when I say dudes, I mean the Piston players, his teammates uh, from this past season, they all love him. Everyone's rooting for Frank. I, I hope he shaves that mustache, though. The, the mustache was not the move. I, I like the afro, the, the the braids, all that stuff. That was dope. But the mustache, it, it, it just was not the move. It was not the move. Maybe the mustache was the problem. Maybe, maybe as soon as he put the mustache on, that was really what dragged him down. I, he, maybe if he shaves the mustache, he might gain his powers back or something. He might be like the reverse Samson. Um, but, yeah, we're rooting for Frank. Hopefully he succeeds down in Phoenix. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on him. Another former Piston, just since we're on the topic, signed with a team, Dennis Smith Jr., um, has found himself a team. Dennis Smith Jr., though, I, I he went to Charlotte, by the way. Um, yeah, he. I, I don't think many Pistons fans really care about him. He only played on the team for a few months, but kind of in the same news, former Piston found a team finally to sign with. Um, but, yeah, man, that's about it, dude. Um, appreciate you guys listening. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. I really appreciate you guys. Make sure you guys go check out that episode with Michael Lancaster. I'm going to continue to hype that episode up because it truly is, I think, one of the best episodes I have recorded at Lockdown Pistons. Really insightful. Loved it. Loved talking with Michael, who is, by the way, from Michigan. Um, He's not necessarily a Pistons fan, but he does have a soft spot for the Pistons, he told me. Um, I did not know that beforehand. So, anyways, make sure you guys go check out that episode. It was really fun. Really great stuff. Um, But, yeah, again, thank you guys. Appreciate all of you. And until the next podcast, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe, everybody, and peace out.